Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Southern New England's only home for sporting news radio. AM 1320, The Drive. WARL, Attleboro, Providence. Sporting News Radio. Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer on WARL 1320 The Drive with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. We're doing the latest action of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team right here on AM 1320 The Drive as well as over the Internet at 1320thedrive.com. Joining me today in studio is Dave Ackman. And last night, a very disappointing result for the Revs. I thought they played pretty well in the game considering how they played the weeks before. But uh, a one nothing loss to D.C. United. Uh, D.C. obviously got enough to a great start this year, but that was definitely a game that is important for the future of uh, the rest of the season because D.C. is clearly making a big league in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, uh, D.C. has a 10-point lead now on uh, everyone else, but I think the Revs showed that they've improved a lot over the past couple weeks despite all the injuries they have in their lineup. I thought they had done enough to at least get a point out of that match, if not three. A couple tough calls, a couple tough breaks, and then Noonan going down really turned the tide on that one. Uh, one of the things in that game was seemed like a few players were afraid to shoot there with Andy Dorman getting a good position to shoot and then opting to pass it and the same thing with Steve Ralston. Uh, they got to be able to take chances like that, especially a veteran like Ralston should know better in a situation like that to shoot it. And a guy like Cancela as well had another chance that he chose to pass it. And I think that's something we've seen through almost the whole season now with players not taking the chances like that. Is it too much of a focus just trying to get Twelman to score the goals or what, what is the general deal with that? I don't know. I mean, you think I, I don't think Noonan scored, and I forget how many games. It's been a long time since he scored, and I, I think they've really come to rely on Dempsey and uh, Twelman to put in all the goals. And now they're they're all sort of gun shy when it comes to getting the chances in front. They're always looking for that extra pass, that through ball or the cross, rather than just taking a shot and hoping something good happens. I mean, you saw what happened the week before when the ball takes a bad deflection. You never know what's going to happen, but as long as you take the shot, there's always a chance it'll go in. And certainly the injuries have been hurting the team, as well as having uh, Clint Dempsey and Avery John gone with the World Cup. Uh, now they lose, lost James Riley to the injury last weekend, and now Noonan's out injured again. So it's not getting any better for them in that stretch, but they have the roster space to sign somebody else. So it'll be interesting to see if they go out and sign someone. Certainly they knew they had depth issues coming into the season, so it was a bit of a surprise they didn't put more focus into signing someone then. But now that the transfer window is opening, uh, they need to bring in somebody to help add to the depth of the squad. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think it was even more important for them to bring someone in when there was a chance that we could have still lost Ralston and Noonan, possibly. Because there was a while back in the middle of the summer, when, uh, in the middle of the winter, when there was a chance that all three of uh, Dempsey, Noonan, and Ralston could have been gone with maybe even Twelman gone. And they really didn't fill in that depth all that well. So now that everyone's going down injured, they really need to bring someone in, even if it's just a couple able bodies for the summer. Certainly, if they had lost the, all four of those players, uh, I don't think they'd be winning any games right now or looking even as well as they are now. But it, it asks the question, why didn't they bring in someone at the beginning of the season? And I think that's something that will need to be addressed sooner rather than later 
with all these injuries piling up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at Hernandez, he's out. So now, I mean, they're really lacking depth at uh, the defensive midfield spot, you know, especially now that Dorman every once in a while has to go out right when Ralston's out. And, I mean, it's it really leaving a lot of empty holes in the middle. And the other thing is Jose Cancela, who's been starting all the matches now since Dempsey was out. I think a lot of people wanted to see him start, and he looks like a player that deserves to be starting with second in the league in assists. But... Uh, the question is, why do they keep pushing off to forward? Is there no other option? Uh, when somebody gets injured, they seem to try to reshuffle the whole lineup and get him up to forward rather than bringing a forward off the bench. So I think that's another spot that needs to be addressed is the lack of depth at forward. Definitely. I mean, I think Cancelo's great when he works in that in the hole slot, you know, right behind the strikers. He's a great distributor. But he's not exactly the pacey forward or the great goal scorer. He's more of a, you know, a playmaker of sorts. And when you try to isolate him up top with 12 minutes, it really limits your ability up front. So, I mean, I think even having someone like, you know, Kano Smith, like, could last year, you know, he would make those 20, 30-yard runs and at least open up the room for Twelman to have some room in the middle. And the other issue with uh, the way Twelman plays is he was so great when all the crosses were coming to the box and he was getting good service that way. It seems like they've kind of taken the focus away from that by switching from the 3-5-2 formation where the, the wingers really got forward a lot more and were more forced to be further out wide and get those crosses in where now... It seems like they're more trying to play the balls on the ground, the through passes, and not focusing on his, his strength, which I think is another one of the issues for the team. Definitely. I mean, he's always been a great guy. You throw the ball in the air, and he'll get his head on it. He'll find a way to get it at least on net. But, you know, when the ball's played to him in feet, I mean, those two central defenders or whoever's marking him man-to-man, it's not so hard to defend the pass, you know, on the ground where he has to run onto it. It's harder when he can use his size and his strength up in the air. It's definitely uh, something that is, I think strange choice that they chose to switch formations because the 3-5-2 obviously they hadn't won the championship with it but it had been working very well for them in the past few years and with the players they have I think that's probably the formation that's been fitting them best so it, it was strange for them to switch to the 3-4-3 this year um, er, early it looked poor and then they had one good game against the Galaxy and a pretty good game against Chivas but other than that it, it's continued to look bad so the question comes when will they switch back to it or will they switch back to the 3-5-2 yeah it's a good question I mean it seemed like they tried to switch a little bit further back to that yet last night and it seemed to be working the good first couple minutes I mean you know you had Noonan and Twelman up top and then they had Kinsella in the hole but I think the thing they're most worried about is Lockhead over on the left it seems like they're really reluctant to leave him isolated out there it seemed like uh, the issue with him is the lack of pace which going into the draft I think that was something that the team knew picking him but I think the team as a whole has a lack of pace where with guys like Joe Franchino on the left and it's not the fastest team in the league and that's but something that they've been able to deal with in the past but uh, Lockhead doesn't seem to be the best crosser of the ball from the left he's had some good crosses but at the same time I don't think he's cut out to play left wing I know his position coming in was left back for New Zealand and I believe in college as well so it'll be interesting if they can bring in someone to fill in that role as well because with all these injuries, they have definitely have a lot of holes to fill. I agree. I mean, I still don't understand completely why they've not tried uh, switching Lockhead and Riley yet. I mean, I know Riley last year seemed at least, uh, you know, pretty good out on the left wing. And, I mean, it, I mean, nothing to take away from Lockhead. I mean, he's been, you know, giving his all out there. But it looks like he would be more suited in a left-back sort of spot rather than the left wing. Yeah, and it seemed like him, he last night as well seemed to be afraid to pull the trigger in a few chances. Uh, as well, when he had chances to do a first-time cross, he decided to cut it back and instead and then ended up losing the ball. I thought defensively he played pretty well covering Freddie Adu and whoever else was coming down that side. But I, I think he's more suited for a left back. Definitely. I mean, I think you should see that his training has always been a defender. He's great. You know, he kept Adu from, you know, making any too many decent runs on that right uh, left side. So, um... I think, yeah, it wouldn't hurt to try him at least at the left back for a game or two.
And Steve Rawson seemed to have had another good, seems to be coming back to form after his injury and had a fairly good game. Uh, the team as a whole didn't really play that bad. Certainly didn't get off to the bad start they had uh, against Dallas when they lost 4-0. I thought this game they actually started strong and looked a better team in the beginning. Uh, but at the same time, the finishing wasn't there again. And they've been shut out a lot in a lot of games this season. Uh, they've scored 10 goals, but I think it's telling when you know that four of those goals and came from one game and three of those goals came from another game. So certainly for a team that's had the best offense in the league over the past few years, um, that's been an issue for them. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't very often in the past couple of years that, you know, you'd expect them to score no goals or not score too many, you know, late in the game. So I'm not sure, you know, what they have to do about that, but not not creating the uh, goal. Well, they're creating the goal-scoring opportunities, but not putting them away has really been their Achilles heel this year. And looking at the standings right now, they've fallen to fourth behind the Columbus crew. They do have a game in hand on Columbus and a game in hand on Kansas City for both three points ahead of them, so that's certainly something that they could easily make up, but at the same time, D.C. United has built a pretty big lead uh, with 24 points compared to the Revs' 11, so they have 13 points to catch up there, but they do have two games in hand there, but if they don't start winning soon, it's going to be an insurmountable lead by the time the Revs' players get back from the World Cup. Yeah, I think at this point, you know, there's going to be really a struggle even to get, you know, anywhere near the top spot, but I think if they can, you know, just improve from now on and even finish with the second we've seen, you know, last year it was a fourth seed going all the way to the finals. Once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. And coming up next weekend, they have Chicago and Chicago's home opener, so that's going to be another tough away game for them. They have obviously one of the toughest schedules in the league. Um, I believe this will be their third time this season that they've played a team's home opener, and Chicago's another team that has been struggling early, but again, they've played all their games on the road, so that's something that to, to be expected. They have one less point than the Revs, and they've played the same amount of games, so both teams, they'll be desperately looking for a win, and that'll be another tough game for the team. Yeah, I think Chicago got put in a real tough spot playing, you know, I think, what was it, their first nine or ten games on the road. Uh, that's never easy for any team. You know, another way to look at it is they'll have a whole slew of games coming up at home, so that's really not going to bode too well for the Revs unless they can steal a couple wings, uh, wins over in Chicago. But Well, the Revs have been struggling. Los Angeles Galaxy, the defending champs, have been doing even worse right now, dead last in the league. Played two more games than the Revs and have even four less points than the Revs. Uh, certainly a team that has been playing really bad, hasn't has looked almost like an amateur team without Landon Donovan. Yeah, I mean, it, they've always been, you know, semi-reliant in the past couple years uh, with Donovan up front, but I think this year they don't seem to even have the, uh, the amount of backup as they used to have where they could lose him for a week or two and still, you know, play a, a, a quality game that would at least threaten other teams this year. They've looked really lost without him. I believe they had something like a 400 minute goalless streak or something like that going into last night's game. Uh, John Woliniak broke that, but they still ended up losing. So uh, certainly they're another team that has a lot of holes to fill. So the Revs aren't alone with the uh, problems with the absences to the World Cup. But the Revs have brought in some players like Kyle Brown, and it'll be interesting to see how they develop. We'll have him on the show later. And Willie Sims, both of those players have been players that have been talked about in training and in uh, reserve games looking good. But I, I don't think they've quite shown it yet with the full team. So, And that's also shown by the fact that they're moving Kansai left to forward. So it'll be interesting to see if one of them can step up and take that spot 
and maybe push Cancelo back to the spot where he belongs when it's time when there's injuries like this. Yeah, it's always tough for a rookie to step up and you know jump right into the starting lineup. So you know to give him a couple you know a couple games to get their feet wet isn't out of the question. I mean you know not everyone can pull a Dempsey and jump right in and you know make all you know rookie of the year or whatever. So as long as they you know improve over the course of the year, as long as they're ready for the playoffs, that's all that really matters. And we're gonna take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with Revolution rookie forward Kyle Brown. from the Sports Journal Live to tell you about my friends at Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic. Whether you're involved in a sports injury like I was or involved in a motor vehicle accident, Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic will get you back on the road to recovery. The specialists at Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic in Somerset are the area's leaders in physical, occupational, and speech therapy and can help you get through the recovery process with first-rate attention and care. Clifton specializes in sprains and strains, hand and wrist splinting, stroke and neurological rehab, as well as post-surgical rehabilitation. For more information on Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic, call 508-675-7589 or visit them on the web at cliftonhealthcare.com. That's Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic, your first stop on the road to recovery. Whether it's a major sports injury or that pain in your knee that's becoming more than just a pain in your knee, Coastal Orthopedics is with you every step of the way. The friendly doctors at Coastal Orthopedics will help get you back to a normal lifestyle. ACL rehabilitation, scoliosis, shoulder arthroscopy, knee ligament injuries, knee arthroscopy, rotator cuff injuries, to total knee replacement. Coastal Orthopedics has three convenient locations to serve you, two in Fall River and one in New Bedford. If you're an athlete with an injury, Coastal Orthopedics is your first choice for top quality care. And the doctors at Coastal Orthopedics understand you don't need to be an athlete to need the best in orthopedic care. So if you have an injury, think of Coastal Orthopedics, 235 Hanover Street and 1030 President Avenue in Fall River and 84 Grape Street in New Bedford, 508-646-9525. Coastal Orthopedics, with you every step of the way. Now back to Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. We're joined now over the phone by Revolution Forward, Kyle Brown. Kyle, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. just fine. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Oh, yeah, no problem. I'm glad I get to talk to you guys. Uh, the Revs got off to uh, a kind of a slow start this season with all the injuries. What do you think they need to do to pick up the slack and really get on and start winning some wins without all these players to injuries and to the World Cup? Well, I mean, it has been tough right now with all the injuries and all that kind of stuff, but that's, I mean, you know, that's that's an excuse and that's something that, that we're dealing with and trying to handle right now. And I feel like I feel like we're going to start playing, start, start, you know, doing what the New England Revolution is doing. I mean, we can dominate teams, we can go at teams, and we're just not 
we're just not scoring a lot of goals right now. Things aren't going our way, so I think we'll be fine here in the next next few games. And the teams obviously got off to a very tough schedule this year, um, having to play on several teams' home openers, and that's not getting any easier next week when you have to play against uh, Chicago Fire, who started off with nine road games. And yeah, uh, we've, we've definitely had a difficult schedule for this plan, especially starting out in L.A. I mean, that was uh, you know that was a tough road trip, but we got a good result there. Um, I mean, we expect to go to Chicago and get a good result. I mean, we're not. I mean, we're a little disappointed right now with, with how we've done so far, but I don't think that's going to hold us back from what we can do. And for you, uh, obviously you got some starts early on, I mean, some playing time early on in the season with the team. Yeah. Um, how was that to get into the game so quickly? Uh, I mean, it was really exciting. I mean, that first game, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know whether I'd be getting in. I didn't know, uh, you know, what, what the situation would be, but I did, and I mean, it was an awesome game. It was, it was really exciting. Great atmosphere out there in L.A. So, I mean, it was it was definitely a lot of fun. Uh, I've, uh, I've always heard a lot about the uh, change of pace between the college soccer and uh, the pros. Has it really been an issue for you, or have you picked it up pretty quickly? Uh, I mean, early on, I think I was, I was handling it pretty well. I think as of late, I, I mean, I don't know, a lot of the professional game has to do with, you know, having your confidence and feeling like you're on the top of your game and, Feeling like you can hang and feeling like you can you can get used to the speed of play and you know my my confidence the last few weeks I've been struggling a little bit I haven't been playing you know the best soccer that I can so I feel like early on I was I was doing a little bit better but right now I need to get out of the little funk that I'm in and try and trying to start playing how I know I can again. And with the reserve league that's been new to the league since last year, how do you think yeah. that's helped you and the uh, other incoming players get used to? Um, making the step up from the college to MLS. Well, the reserve games, you know, it's definitely it is it is good to get a game. It is good to get you know fitness in 90 minutes. And we've had we've had a tough reserve schedule lately because we've had a lot of guys out and we've had to bring in a lot of guys for just you know just for the games. And a lot of guys, you know, a lot of times we don't know guys' names and we're playing with guys who haven't played in a few years. So it's been I don't know it's been difficult at times. It's been kind of frustrating for the reserve league and the reserve schedule, but. It is good to get a game, you know. We've we've had, I think, four games the last four weeks, so so it's good for us to stay sharp and and stay game ready. And with the recent moves the team has made, um, they've opened up roster spots and senior international spots. Do you think the team has anyone in mind that they might be looking at to bring in? You know, I, I don't, I don't. We don't talk about that kind of stuff a lot with the coaches or anything like that. But you know, I feel like there's a lot of good young guys on this team and. I feel like that that could be a possibility for some of the guys in our team here, you know, in the next couple of years. And with the way uh, the team has been playing, do you think there's any of these uh, players who've been playing for the reserves, uh, including yourself, that might be ready to step up and uh, fill in some of these roles with all the injuries that have been happening? Oh, I mean, there's there's roles that need to be filled, and they're not being filled by us right now. With you know, as you know, as bench players and as reserve players, I feel like. You know, some of us guys need to step up and start, you know, coming into games and being able to contribute and being able to, you know, kind of not just maintain what's going on out there, but kind of give us a boost whenever guys come in off the bench. So, I mean, definitely I I hope that, you know, we start to do that and start to get a little bit more comfortable when we do get in the game. So, you know, I'm I'm hoping so. I I think we can. And for you growing up in uh Tulsa and going to the University of Tulsa, uh, how is it making the transition from the climate moving up from the, here, moving here from there? 
uh, it's been it's been a lot different. It's the the weather is completely different. I mean, right now it's probably 98 in Tulsa. You know, humidity. You can't go outside more than two hours. So, but it's been you know it's been different getting used to the rain and getting used to the cold weather. But you know, I like it out here. I like you know I like the area. There's you know a lot a lot more trees than what I'm used to. I'm used to flatlands and you know houses and buildings everywhere. So it's it's been nice out here. The weather and that, all that kind of stuff. And how did you first get started into playing soccer? Uh, I started playing when I was, you know, of course, when I was six years old. I was playing for my dad out in Tulsa. We were, I was on the, uh, the hot shots with my first team. And uh, how was the college experience playing at the University of Tulsa? And uh, my, my college experience was, was awesome. I mean, I was around my family. I was around all of my friends, so... You know, I enjoyed it a lot. You know, University of Tulsa, you know, Tom McIntosh, he does a great job out there and brings in good guys, you know, continually every year. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed my time out there. I had a lot of fun. Were you excited to be drafted by the Revs knowing how well they had been playing over the past several years? Yeah, I was I was extremely excited to be getting drafted by the Revs just because of the way they play, their, their playing style, their coaches, and, uh, you know, just the guys in the team. I know... You know, I know the level of play that 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 we can bring, you know, to the table, and it's always fun to be on a team like that. That's going forward, attacking teams, and you know, not really afraid of anybody. We're we're confident that we can go out and we can play with anybody on any day. How have coaches like Steve Nichol and Paul Mariner, who uh, have played at the highest level, helped you make the transition to the professional game? Uh, they, you know, they help in a lot in a lot of small ways here and there, and you know, they give they give great advice, and they, you know, there's. Obviously, Paul Mariner being a forward, you know, he helps. You know, he just just small little things that he that he tells you on your technique and things that you need to think about that you that you know you don't you don't really have set in your mind that you've been thinking about you know every single time that you need to. So I mean, they've definitely helped me out in a lot of ways, but I haven't you know had that kind of had that kind of you know help or that kind of brain power before. And you, I saw you management. I saw you majored in management at. Tulsa, is there any, do you plan on continuing uh, in a management sense, being involved in soccer after uh, your career? I would, I would definitely like to do, you know, something with management later on and uh, later on in soccer. I mean, that's, you know, that's where my passion is. That's what I love to do. So, you know, I hope to continue on and uh, and do something with soccer in that in that aspect for sure. Kyle, uh, this is David Ackman. I was just wondering how I heard you were a standout in both uh, soccer and football back in high school. Yeah. Uh, what made you continue playing soccer rather than football? Well, I thought I had you know a better future in soccer as far as where I could go in that in that sense. I also you know soccer's just my passion. It's what I it's what I grew up always you know being my number one. Even in even in high school, it was always my number one. I was, it was never a it was never a thought of whether I should go to the football game over the soccer game. I was always I was always you know, really fond and, and have the spirit to play soccer. And the big talk of the soccer world right now is the upcoming World Cup uh, with two Revolution players playing in Clint Dempsey for the U.S. and Avery John for Trinidad. Uh, what do you think the U.S.'s chances are and what countries will you be, will you be watching for the World Cup? So I'm definitely watching watching the U.S. I hope they do, hope they do as, as, good as, as good as they can. I think they can do well in their group and I think they can do well after the group. So I'll be rooting for, uh, I'm rooting for the U.S. for sure. I want, I want them to win. And who knows if it'll who knows if it'll happen? But you know, got to root for those guys. And you've been 
play. You, you've been with the team for two of the biggest uh, rivalry games against the Red Bulls and against DC United. How has been the how has the atmosphere been at those games compared to some of the maybe big rivalry games in college that you've been to? Uh, it doesn't even it doesn't even compare to, to rivalry games in in college. I mean. The New York game, I think there was 38,000. You had Shakira, you know, at halftime. You had Pele walking out before the game. So, I mean, you get kind of starstruck. I mean, especially for me being my first year and being in that kind of situation for the first time. It was, you know, it was something to get used to. And then D.C. United, I mean, they have a, they have great fan support. And, and last night, I mean, they, their their fans were in there, you know, going at us, you know, the, the whole game. So, but, those kind of atmospheres, you know, can't can't really be compared to, to what I've been used to at the college level. And it seems like the thing that's been that had been hurting the Rebs early on in the season was the slow starts in the game, getting off to a slow start and letting the other team come at them. Last night, it didn't seem like that was the issue. It seemed like they got off to a quicker start and addressed that issue. But what do you think was the cause of the loss last night? Well, you know, I, I don't know what the cause of the loss last night was I, we did get off to a really good start and then you know Pat's had Pat's had injuries on and off with his, with his hamstring and you know that definitely hurt us and I feel like that gave us kind of a blow to our confidence having having Pat go out again and guys kind of worried about that you know I, I feel like you know we had a, we had a couple chances last night it wasn't you know and then the whole, I don't know if I mean I'm sure you guys watched the game I don't know if the the linesman from what we saw was clearly offside so we're just not getting the breaks that, that, you know, sometimes you expect and, you know, hopefully things will start turning our way. And the Rebs have some very experienced players in MLS uh, with Steve Ross and, and a guy like Clint Dempsey. How how playing with players like that helped you grow as a player? Oh, uh, players like that, you, I mean, you just learn from every day. You learn, you learn from watching guys like that in practice. You learn from, I mean, we've got guys like Joe Franchino who comes up to, to training every day, you know, just ready to go. There's, you know, there's never anything left. You know, every day is a hard day. Every day is another day. You know, you come out, you work, you work as hard as you can. You mean, you got Shari who doesn't take a second off. You got guys like Taylor who, every opportunity they get, they're, they're putting the ball in the back of the net in practice. You know, and it, you know, and, and all those guys, it's just, it's, you know, it's a learning experience for me every day. You watch these guys, and you, you can't take a break. In you know, on Tuesday or Wednesday or any time during training, and that's, that's been something. You know that I've been trying to get used to because at college sometimes you can go to you can go to training, getting you know get out of class and you know you kind of roll out of bed and you go to practice and you're kind of slow start and you kind of get done you know towards the end and it's just you know it's just a completely different level of training with these kind of guys. And playing with the uh, Chicago Fire Premier uh, team and well the Boulder Rapids reserves, were, did you kind of think one of those teams maybe would be where you ended up, one of their uh, MLS teams? Uh, I mean, you know, I thought I thought there might be, you know, some kind of some kind of interest out of both those teams. I played, you know, for Boulder, and I did well out there. But their coaching their coaching staff changed since since when I was out there, and then the Chicago experience was a little bit different. I was in and out there, kind of kind of finishing up summer school. So I mean, you know, I had expectations of maybe going to to one or two of those places, but you know, I didn't didn't have my heart set on going anywhere really. And, I was happy to end up in England. And with all the injuries um, in training, have you noticed anyone that maybe is getting a little bit closer to coming back and ready to play again? Um, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think Danny will be back here, you know, either this week or next week. And, 
don't know. I don't know how Pat's goes right now. That we just have we have a lot of injuries right now. It's tough to even keep up with what's been going on. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, and uh, good oh, luck yeah, the rest of the you. season. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, that was Revolution Forward Kyle Brown uh, talking about the season so far. Uh, he's, in, he's one of those players who were picked up in the draft. Uh, we've seen over the past years the success of Revolution rookies with uh, Andy Dorman, Clint Dempsey, Taylor Twelman, Pat Noonan, and it would be great to see him, uh, you know, even have some of the success that those players have had. Definitely, and he has all the athletic and ability in the world to be able to do that, so all it's going to take is, you know, maybe, as he said, just, you know, maybe scoring one or two goals, getting his confidence back on track, and I don't think there's any reason why he can't be very successful at this level. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back uh, talking about the upcoming World Cup, which is happening in less than six days now. sports injury or that pain in your knee that's becoming more than just a pain in your knee, Coastal Orthopedics is with you every step of the way. The friendly doctors at Coastal Orthopedics will help get you back to a normal lifestyle. ACL rehabilitation, scoliosis, shoulder arthroscopy, knee ligament injuries, knee arthroscopy, rotator cuff injuries, to total knee replacement. Coastal Orthopedics has three convenient locations to serve you, two in Fall River and one in New Bedford. If you're an athlete with an injury, Coastal Orthopedics is your first choice for top quality care. And the doctors at Coastal Orthopedics understand you don't need to be an athlete to need the best in orthopedic care. So if you have an injury, think of Coastal Orthopedics, 235 Hanover Street and 1030 President Avenue in Fall River and 84 Grape Street in New Bedford. 508-646-9525. Coastal Orthopedics, with you every step of the way. Whether it's a major sports injury or that pain in your knee that's becoming more than just a pain in your knee, Coastal Orthopedics is with you every step of the way. The friendly doctors at Coastal Orthopedics will help get you back to a normal lifestyle. ACL rehabilitation, scoliosis, shoulder arthroscopy, knee ligament injuries, knee arthroscopy, rotator cuff injuries, to total knee replacement. Coastal Orthopedics has three convenient locations to serve you, two in Fall River and one in New Bedford. If you're an athlete with an injury, Coastal Orthopedics is your first choice for top quality care. And the doctors at Coastal Orthopedics understand you don't need to be an athlete to need the best in orthopedic care. So if you have an injury, think of Coastal Orthopedics, 235 Hanover Street and 1030 President Avenue in Fall River and 84 Grape Street in New Bedford. 508-646-9525. Coastal Orthopedics, with you every step of the way. Now back to Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Joining me in the studio is David Ackman, and uh, we're talking about the upcoming World Cup. The, the first game, just uh, less than six days away now, June 9th, which is Friday, uh, at noon, Germany versus Costa Rica. 
Um, and that very exciting game that should be with Germany being the host nation. Certainly a lot is expected out of them. But Costa Rica uh, kind of had, had a poor qualifying campaign. Obviously they made the World Cup, so it wasn't that bad. But compared to the other, other years, they haven't been doing as well recently. But certainly in the last World Cup, they had a very good performance, drawn into one of the tougher groups with Brazil, Turkey, and China, and only not advancing on goal differential. I think they're a team, if they put up potential, could potentially get a result away from Germany. So that should be a very interesting opening game. And certainly if they get a result, they'd have a great chance of advancing from that group. Yeah, definitely. If they can get through the Germany match, you know, even grabbing just a point, because that's going to be a really difficult match. It's always hard. It always seems like the host nations always seem to do well. I mean, the U.S. had a great run in 94. Uh, France had a great run in 98. You know, so the South Korea had a great run, you know, in 2002. So it always seems like, you know, for whatever reason, the breaks always seem to go the home team's way. And uh, I mean, so, you know, for Costa Rica, they had a great, you know, run in 2002, and I think they definitely have the quality in their squad to make a run this year, but it's a tough game to open up against. Certainly the group they have isn't quite as hard as the last one with Brazil, Turkey, and China, but it's still a difficult group with Germany and Poland, who we know are a tough team, who managed to beat the U.S. in the last World Cup, despite the U.S. advancing from that group, and Ecuador, who have been a strong team as of late, uh, with a guy like Roberto Mina, who's been a good player in MLS, not even making that squad, so... Uh, that should be an interesting group. That would, group A should be a very interesting group and a very competitive group. Yeah, definitely. I think you know there's a lot of quality in all those squads, and I think you know Germany probably will advance, and then it's going to be really tough for Costa Rica and Poland and uh, Ecuador to finish out who's going to come in second. Yep, and Poland plays Ecuador on the next game of the first day, which will be at three o'clock that day, and then um, Group B starts out their games on June 10th with England versus Paraguay, which would be a, another interesting game. England without most likely without a guy like Wayne Rooney, so uh, the, the, it'll be interesting to see how they do, but a guy like Peter Crouch has been playing uh, v very well recently, so I think they're another team that could make a run at the Cup, and if they get into the later rounds, they'll probably get back a guy like Wayne Rooney, who's been one of their top players. Yeah, definitely. Rooney's, uh, you know, in the past couple of years has been their key, so, you know, losing him for the past couple of months has really been a damper on their squad, but they've got so much quality. They've got, you know, the likes of Gerard, Lampard, you know, all the way through the back. I mean, you look for a weakness, maybe goalkeeper, maybe forward, but, I mean, there's not a lot of weakness in that squad at all. And they've ended up in a pretty easy first-round group. Uh, Sweden, cer certainly not an easy team, but uh, Paraguay hasn't been known for the great results in the World Cup. And Trinidad and Tobago, this is their first World Cup. Um, somewhat lucky to make it into the World Cup, uh, but definitely they deserve to be in the World Cup because they had to go through a playoff system after making fourth in CONCACAF to make it there. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. Their friendly results recently haven't been great, but uh, their performance against Czech Republic, a 3 nothing loss, they did still manage to create some chances against one of the top teams in the world. So they'll be another team to watch come time for the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, and anything can happen in these, you know, group-style formats. You get one lucky win, and all of a sudden, you know, you're maybe just a draw away from advancing. So, you know, all they're looking for is one one break, and that's all they need. And then Group C games start up, uh, continue that day at 3 o'clock with Argentina versus the Ivory Coast, uh, Serbia and Montenegro versus the Netherlands the next day. Uh, certainly this is a very difficult group that's a little bit harder to predict. Some are calling this the group of death with some competition from uh, the USA's group. But uh, Argentina and Netherlands obviously the favorites to advance in this game. But Ivory Coast has been such a great team in Africa. And Serbia and Montenegro finished in their uh, qualifying group above Spain. So 
this will be a very interesting group to watch and certainly one that we should expect the unexpected. Definitely. I mean, I think even, you know, the, the non-favored groups like Ivory Coast and Serbia, I mean, they all have great players. You know, there's guys like Kesman, there's guys like, you know, Drogba, all, you know, in that group, and they can all score, you know, with just the slightest room, and that's all it takes in the World Cup. A one nothing win is just as good as, you know, anything else. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting game, and the Netherlands, they always seem to, you know, have something happen, you know, whether it's penalty kicks or something. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in that group. Serbia is definitely the team, the team to watch with... Uh, their great qualifying campaign, as I said, finishing above Spain in their qualifying group. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. And then the next group is Group D, kicking off on Sunday, June 11th, uh, with the game at noon, Mexico versus Iran. Um, this is a group that seems like to have two heavy favorites with the group Mexico, Iran, Angola, Portugal. Portugal and Mexico, obviously the heavy favorites there, but Iran had a great qualifying campaign. So it'll be interesting to see how they play. And Angola has kind of been a surprise team coming out of Africa. Um, finishing atop their group with a group that also featured Morocco. So, and Morocco being the team that beat the U.S. in their first game, preparation game, heading up into the World Cup. So this is another group that will be very interesting to watch. Yeah, definitely. Angola is definitely a surprise, but, you know, anything can happen. And I don't think, you know, you can take anything away from the other three teams in that group. They're all wonderful teams. So I think that's a tough group to predict also. And we saw what happened last World Cup uh, with the U.S. being drawn into Portugal's group. It'll be interesting to see if Mexico can get a result against Portugal. Yeah, I mean, I think Mexico, you know, I mean, if you look back at their Confederations Cup you know, run in the against Brazil the, uh, last summer, I mean, they've shown that they've been in good form, you know, against all these big powerhouse teams, I mean, outside the U.S., which has been good for us. But I think that they've shown they have the quality in their squad to get a result against pretty much any team in the world. And then the next group is Group E, featuring the United States, Ghana, Czech Republic, and Italy. First game of that is at noon, uh, U.S.'s first game Monday, um, not this Monday, but the next Monday, United States versus Czech Republic. Uh, very big game for the U.S. I think the U.S. had the quality to beat Czech Republic. Czech Republic had a great run in the UEFA Cup, ranked second in the world by FIFA, I think. Uh, they're not quite as good as a ranking, but certainly not a team to be underestimated. And if the U.S. get a result there, they'll be in great position to advance out of the group. But Italy is probably the favorite going into this group despite their ranking. Looking at their roster, second only to Brazil, will be an excellent group to watch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you look at Italy, they're a wonderful team. I don't think they have a weak spot in their entire lineup, you know, top to bottom. I think, you know, you look at uh, the Czech Republic, they have a great midfield, they have some good defenders, a great goalkeeper in Czech. I mean, so it's going to be hard to get a result against pretty much any one of those teams. I think it's going to be a group where, you know, three draws for any team would be, you know, not even a bad result for them. And Ghana's even been playing very well in recent friendlies against uh, Turkey and some other high-quality opposition. They're a team that's done uh, very well in African competition, but... Uh, have never made it to the World Cup before, so they're the kind of the dark horse of this group. Yeah, I mean, you can never look at these small teams and overlook them. I mean, if, if you look back to the last World Cup, you know, little teams, you know, there always seems to be a time, you know, when they when they grab a goal here, you know, to force a tie, or, you know, they grab a late winner. And if that happens to any of these other three teams in the group, it's really going to put them in tough shape. And certainly Ghana's a very physical team, knowing some of their players like Michael Essien. Uh, I think this will be... I think it might be a good thing for the U.S. to be playing them last, having already played the other tougher competition, Italy and Czech Republic. So it will be very interesting to see how the U.S. does. 
I'm, I'm picking them to finish second in the group behind Italy. But if they do that, then they'll likely end up facing Brazil. So no team is going to want to finish second in this group. Yeah, and I think, I think that's why that this is really the hardest group because, you know, in, in the other groups that they're talking about, you know, second place, you know, isn't really the, the worst sentence for a team. But here you get second, you're facing probably the best team in the world in the next round. And that's never a, you know, never a team you want to be facing in Brazil. So I think, you know, the onus really is on any team in this group to win the group or else you're pretty much packing your bags anyways. It's just as bad as finishing third. Certainly last year, finishing second for the U.S. wasn't a bad thing as they ended up facing uh, Mexico, who they played so many times before and ended up beating them. But this year, as you said, Brazil, it's not going to be something that any team is going to want to finish second in. But uh, the next group is Group F, and that group kicks off on uh, June 12th, also Monday. Australia versus Japan, Brazil versus Croatia the next day. Uh, another very interesting group. Brazil, obviously heavy favorites to win that group. But then Japan, Croatia, and Australia, I don't think there's too much of a difference in class in that group. So for second place, it could go to anyone. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you look at uh, teams like Australia, Japan, they all have their individual stars. You get guys like Cool, you've got guys like, you know, Nakata. I mean, there's tons of quality in all those sides, you know. So, I mean, it's really going to be a struggle for second. I mean, I, I don't see any of them really posing a threat for first in that group. But, you know, no, some, anything can really happen. You never know. Yeah, Brazil sometimes in the group stages has gotten off to a slow start. So their first game against Croatia, who's a, a very strong team and did well in qualifying, will be interesting. Uh, if Croatia can get a result there, they might end up taking first in the group, and in which case then it will be better to be finishing second in uh, U.S.'s group. But I think Brazil will be ready this time, knowing from past re past experiences where they have started slow. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, Brazil probably doesn't want to face Italy that first match if, you know, Italy ends up winning the, their group. So I think there's going to be a real bonus for Brazil if they can get second because, I mean, the step down from Italy to the U.S. or uh, the Czech Republic or Ghana is probably big enough for them to come out fully motivated. And then certainly the next group, Group G, another strong group with uh, South Korea, France, Togo, and Switzerland. South Korea making it to the semifinals last go around, and France being in the champions in 1998. Uh, Switzerland, another strong team. Togo, kind of the underdogs from Africa. I don't think much is expected out of them, but no team can be underestimated, so it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with that group. France, obviously the favorites. South Korea with the coaching change um, from last World Cup where they did so well. It'll be interesting to see how they do. But it's definitely another tough group, and it'll be another very interesting group to watch. Yeah, definitely. The Swiss have been on fire lately in all their friendlies, and, I mean, I think you can't look past them. You know, the South Koreans have been, you know, showing that they can do well in the World Cup format. And and uh, Togo, well, they have nothing really to lose, so they're probably just going to be throwing all their heart out on the field. And when that happens, you know, anything really can happen. we also interesting to see how South Korea performs this time without the home field advantage. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, a couple of times they, they got the gift of the home field. But, you know, they show that they could, uh, you, you know, with just a break here or there, they can get far. And then the final group, Group H, kicks off on uh, Wednesday, the June, June 14th, starting off with Spain versus Ukra the Ukraine. And then the next uh, afternoon game, T Tun Tunisia versus Saudi Arabia, uh, that group, not necessarily as strong as some of the other groups, but again, Saudi Arabia had a great qualifying campaign. The Ukraine has been having some great results um, and friendlies before the World Cup. I believe they had a 4 1 win over Costa Rica recently. Spain, uh, as I said earlier, finished second to South Korea, I mean, Serbia, in the qualifying campaign, so it'll be interesting to see how they perform at the World Cup. Uh, so, then another very interesting group. And I, I don't think, I, this is definitely one of the harder World Cups to predict looking back. 
in the past ones. Yeah, I mean, if even you look at the, you know a squad like Spain, you know you'd expect all the, you know they have great wingers like Vicente, but you know the coach left most of those wingers behind, and so I mean you know even a team like Spain where you know in the past you'd always expect them to get out of the group, well they have a lot of turmoil in their squad, and you know a team like Ukraine with you know probably one of the best forwards in the world in Shevchenko, you know he could easily beat them on his own. So I mean C- certainly uh, Spain has has an issue with form with how some of their players have been playing and as well as how Spain has been playing uh, finishing second in the qualifying group a group that I'm sure many expected them to finish first in definitely I mean it just shows that you know historical historical results haven't you know necessarily been on form this for this run up to the World Cup so you know but all it takes is you know three good games in a row and all of a sudden you're in the knockout round and anything can happen in the knockout round and we're going to take a quick break here and then we'll be back talking more about the uh, U.S. national team in depth Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Revolution Recap. Joining me in the studio is David Ackman, and uh, we're now taking an in-depth look at the U.S. national team's roster now for this World Cup. Um, from the Revolution, Clint Dempsey, uh, other players, Taylor Twalman, Steve Ross, and Pat Noonan, who had a chance of making the roster, uh, didn't make it, and were named to the alternates list. I'm a little surprised Taylor Twalman didn't make it, but obviously the team had some tough choices to make with the forwards with Josh Wolf being a favorite of arenas but not being in the greatest of form recently, Brian Ching having amazing form starting off the MLS season, but with the U.S. national team recently hasn't been great. But then, of course, in the recent friendlies he scored, so that choice may be starting to look a little bit better from uh, Bruce Arena. And then, of course, Brian McBride was always going to be on the roster, top forward for the U.S. And then Eddie Johnson, who was off to such great form in qualifying, but recently has had a drop in form due to injuries, uh, Forward selection, probably the most controversial, leaving off Taylor Twalman with the way he had been playing to start off the season. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Twalman has shown in the past couple of years that he's been a great player for the national team. So, you know, picking Wolf over him has been a real surprise. Certainly been the certainly been the top scorer for the uh, certainly the top scorer for the U.S. 
this year by, by a lot, even after the recent friendlies. So uh, definitely a surprise to leave off him. But Brian Cheng, the way he started off the MLS season, it left him with a tough choice. But I think it needs to be looked at more with Josh Wolf. What has he done recently for the U.S. national team? He, I believe, has a goal, goal streak in stretching well over 20 games for the U.S. Uh, starting off the MLS season, he had like one or two goals, no, no more than Taylor Twelman had. So it'll be interesting to see if he proves to be a, a, the right selection when it comes to the World Cup and if he can uh, contribute to the team. But uh, certainly, judging by recent results, he's not in a great form right now. No, and uh, I think that that shows really. Arena, you know, values the experience that he's had in various tournaments. I think Twelman has shown, you know, na domestically that he's, um, you know, one of the top forwards in the MLS. And I showed, and I thought he showed, you know, in the run-up to the World Cup that he had been in great form for the national team. And he'd always seemed to have been snake bitten, even in you know qualifying, always had chances late in games. So I think he's shown that he could score on the national team level. So I'm not quite sure what that choice was about, but we'll. Hope that it's validated come this summer. And then the midfield, uh, obviously the the players that everyone knew was going to make it, Demarcus Beasley, uh, who hasn't been in the best of form for PSV, but certainly has always been a great contributor to the national team. Bobby Convey, who is kind of the exact opposite, has been uh, an amazing form for Reading this season. Uh, arguably one of their best players, if not the, their best player this season. Um, hasn't necessarily had the success of Beasley with the national team, but I think he's looked very great in the friendly so far. And then there's guys like John O'Brien, who may be a little bit more of a surprise. Certainly, his contributions in the past made you think if he was healthy at all, he was going to be going. And he seems to be healthy right now, so it'll be interesting to see how if he can stay healthy throughout the tournament. Uh, Claudio Reina, injured right now, but was healthy when the selection was made. Has always been a key contributor, the captain of the team. Another obvious selection there. But then it comes to guys like Clint Dempsey. Um, he's a guy who's just been... Uh, great form recently, and that's why he was selected. So, uh, the guy coming from the New England Revolution, he's going to kind of be the surprise player this year. Last time it was Clint Mathis who was kind of the surprise and the unpredictable player. I think this time it will be Clint Dempsey, so it'll be interesting to see how he contributes to the squad. Yeah, definitely. I think Dempsey brings a lot of different. Um a lot of different positions that he can play in, a lot of different skill sets. He can run at defenders, he can take on defenders, he can cross, he can shoot, he can score. You know, you can throw him up top if you need to late in a game. You can throw him in the midfield. You can throw him even as a defensive midfielder if you need a late, you know, a late game change after you take a lead. You know, I mean, he's really going to be versatile for them. And Dempsey uh, missed out in the U.S.'s last friendly versus Latvia and uh, Connecticut. I'm sure he would have liked to play in front of the home fans, but uh, the injury was nothing serious, and he said he'd be right back training in the next. Uh, next practice, so we have, actually have a clip from Dempsey that we can play for you from that game right now. So how do you feel coming out of this camp and uh, in the off series? I feel fine, you know. I was able to get in two games, and I felt like uh, you know, in the games that you know, I went, I was able to make an impact. Well, have you noticed the difference in the, uh, the tempo of the camp building up to the World Cup to the games earlier this season? Um, I mean, it's been... Uh, I mean, from the get-go, it was tough because uh, we were doing a lot of fitness, so even though I was fit already, uh, you know, we, we kicked it up to a whole different level. So that was the main adjustment, uh, putting our bodies through hell and, uh, you know, having to regroup, and that's what everybody did. And uh, I think everybody's going to be, you know, ready to go. What about the way that you played in a couple of games that you came on, particularly on Friday, you managed to get a goal. Were you happy with your overall performance? Yeah, I'm happy with the way I played. I uh, was able to, you know, make an impact in both games, make a difference. And, and any time you score, it's always good, especially coming out of midfield. So uh, now I'm pleased with my performance. Do you think you've done enough to get to the starting lineup? Do you think you've earned that spot? Uh, you never know. I mean, I can't answer those questions. Well, last time you guys, uh, 2015, made it to the quarterfinals, yeah. anything short of that, you have disappointment for the team. What are your expectations? Um, I mean, I mean, obviously, want to you know get out of their group and you know from there take one game.
difficult group than uh, the team was uh, in the last World Cup. But um, that's, that's just the you know the luck of the draw or being unlucky in a sense. But uh, that's going to be some good games, and uh, you know we're trying to get out of the, the group. Clips are disappointed to be back in New England tonight, not being able to play in front of you know clearly a lot of revolution. Anytime you miss out on a game, it's the same thing. I don't think it makes anything more special to be here or be there. Uh, a game is a game, and at the end of the day, you're always going to be in it no matter what. And that's uh, the, the, the one thing that motivates me the most is, is, is being able to play anytime that I can. And anytime that you don't have a chance to play, you know, it's very, it's always disappointing. Are you excited to get to Germany now? Now all the training camps over and all the games are over? Definitely, definitely. I just, you know, can't wait to, you know, be a part of, of that whole thing. And uh, it's a dream, you know, come true with everything I worked my whole life. So I'll be a happy man. Just going back to your, um, back to your back, as it were, has this ever been a problem before? Is it something just flared up? And something just flared up and, uh, you know, they would, you know, take precaution. They said it was smart just to sit out and uh, not try to, you know, r rush anything or risk anything. So Is there anything that you could link to maybe the way that you play, for example, you know, your style of play? You know, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say so because I played the same style my whole life. And that was Clint Dempsey uh, from the U.S. Latvia game. WRL was the only station there to cover that game. And uh, we were also talking about the U.S. roster, the other midfields there, Landon Donovan, and then Ben Olsen. A uh, little bit of controversial terse with Ben Olsen. Uh, I think he's played well recently for the U.S. national team, but he's obviously another one of Bruce Arena's favorite, having been playing for him with D.C. and even living in his house for a few years when he was younger. Yeah, definitely. You can tell... Uh always seems to uh, favorite his favorite players so you know I mean it's always good to have someone you're comfortable with in the locker room if it's one of the last spots and then rounding out the choice with the defenders a little less controversial Eddie Pope Aguchi Anyewu Jimmy Conrad Greg Burhalter, Eddie Lewis Steve Tronolo Carlos Bocanegra Chris Albright Albright and Burhalter on the roster due to injuries to Hayduk and Corey Gibbs and then the goalkeepers Marcus Hanneman Casey Keller Tim Howard I think anyone could have predicted those before uh, but uh, Bruce Arena made those selections I think there were a few surprises, but certainly not as many as not not too many surprises. And it'll be interesting to see how this squad comes together uh, for the World Cup. Uh, we talked to Arena after the game. Uh, WARL got recorded Arena's press conference after the game versus Latvia, and we can play that for you now. Well, I'm happy with the win. Uh, I think this week our, our three opponents played us quite well. I think we would push our limits physically uh, with the awkward calendar, with the uh, the games that made it real tough on our team. And uh, today to have two players play 90, almost 90 minutes and haven't had played on Friday is, is pretty remarkable. So you can see we had a, a, a bit of a tired group out there towards the end of the game. But uh, I'm real pleased. Uh, getting these three weeks of preparation over with, and now we can real, realistically look forward to the World Cup. The friendlies uh, are past us, and uh, next time we're together as a team is in Germany, where our complete focus will then be on uh, preparing our team for the Czech Republic. So uh, we'll be ready for it. You know, I, I think we're moving along uh, according to schedule, and uh, you know, uh, all the talking's done. We'll have to step on the field June 12th and show what we're about. You know, I, I think uh, the World Cup's uh, an unknown for everybody, uh, whether you're Brazil or the U.S., and uh, uh, all you can do is uh, you know, lean on experience a little bit and uh, move the team uh, close to that June 12th day and have them ready to play. But uh, the World Cup is an unknown, and uh, 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 history tells that. And, uh, you know, we just look forward to the challenge. It's going to be fantastic. That was head coach Bruce Arena on the U.S. national team and the upcoming World Cup, uh, recorded after the U.S.'s game versus Latvia, final game of the send-off series. Uh, I'd like to wrap things up now. I'd like to thank Dave for joining me today. I'd like to 
thank uh, Kyle Brown, who we had over the phone earlier. I'd like to thank my board operator. And uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week. We're here every Sunday, 7 to 8 p.m. You can get uh, archives at revolutionrecap.com. You can get the latest Revs news at anyrevs.com. And we'll be back next week, 7 to 8, right here on AM 1320. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 